Welcome to Growing Pains, a business podcast for entrepreneurs and their teams who find themselves in the growth phase or messy middle in between startup and aiming for six or seven figures and beyond. I'm your host, Laurie Sterling, a COO, coach and mentor. I both do what I teach and teach what I do with a passion for empathetic team leadership, business operations and all things entrepreneurship. Hello, everyone, and welcome today. I have a lovely guest, Marie Parks, with me today. Marie is a co-founder and co-CEO of North Star Messaging and Strategy, a content strategy and copywriting business established in 2010. Her clients, who are mostly small businesses, value her metrics-driven content strategies designed to support their businesses and personal goals. In addition, Northstar has made a name for itself through its comprehensive brand voice process, which systemizes the process of creating content that's aligned with a brand's voice, messaging, and values. When Marie isn't supporting her clients, she's writing and publishing fantasy novels and hiking in New Mexico with her dogs or traveling. Hi, Marie, and welcome. Hi, Laurie. Thank you. (laughs) Great to have you on. Just for a bit of background for the audience, we've known each other for a few years now. Originally, I guess it originally started as your coach, operational efficiency coach back in the day. And when I left the coaching company, I ended up branching off into my own doing operational efficiency. And we happen to have a mutual client where I am COO and you are basically head of copywriting or almost head of marketing, really. You sort of look after all of that. Yeah, I feel like I share some of the marketing, especially on the social side with with somebody else who that's really her purview more. But yeah, I've had the pleasure of working with you, uh, like learning from you and then also just working beside you for years. So you could basically say I'm a huge fan. (laughs) I am of yours too. (laughs) Thank you. It's a mutual appreciation society over here. I agree. I agree. It is for sure. Great. Well, I'm dying to dive into some juicy questions. Like one of the highlights I wanted to share is that you are actually like a co-owner. You have a business partner that you built your business. So tell me, like, how did you start your business? How did you get that idea? Back in 20... It was probably 2009, 2010, somewhere around there, because we actually started the business in 2010. So a while ago. Yes. Jessie Honard is her name. She became a very fast friend of mine. We met through a mutual appreciation of Animorphs books. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone is as nerdy uh, as me, and there's like a specific age range that got really into those. But anyway, we discovered we lived in the same town. We discovered that we both were tired of certain aspects of our day jobs. So she had been a teacher or she was a teacher at the time, I was a grant writer. While we felt like in some ways those jobs used our strengths, in other ways they didn't. And also, honestly, it was hard to go from the life of a university student where you could take your schedule, whatever you wanted, say you wanted to have Thursdays off, you just wouldn't register for Thursday classes, and you could actually get all of your chores done that day, clean your house, do your laundry, and like, couldn't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess just having the time freedom, the financial freedom, that was something that was a huge interest to us. So we got together and started talking about how do we want to proceed. We fortunately discovered we had very similar skills and very similar work ethics and very similar visions. So it worked out well. I mean, we really lucked out and we've continued to grow together too. And so it's stayed a very positive 
wonderful partnership. But the business is actually not partnership anymore. But you know, we have a partnership as business partners, and it's it stayed very healthy because we just remained communicative and honest and respectful and aligned. Amazing, yeah. And how successful? It's definitely a six-figure business that you've built here. So, how did that growth happen for you? Yeah, it took forever (laughs) to get to that point. Like. I think the first year we were in business, we made like a thousand dollars. Ouch. So, well, we still had our day job. So it wasn't like the end of the world. We were just kind of getting our feet under us. And there came a point at which it made sense for both of us to leave our day jobs for various reasons in about the 2013, 2014, 2015 period. And so that's the time at which we decided to go full time. But we definitely worked doing awesome at that point because I think we pretty much hit this revenue cap that we were just sitting at for years and years and years of like somewhere in the like 80 to 85k range mm-hmm. so imagine splitting that but also having to pay for all the stuff that goes to running a business all the tech so we weren't doing amazingly but you know it was enough for us to be able to truly move into it full-time and have confidence in it it really wasn't until about 2020 that we hit the six-figure mark. And that really happened through a couple different things. One is we expanded our team so that we could actually take on more capacity. Of course, that also meant our expenses went up. We'd stopped doing as much in terms of one-off content writing and moving more in towards retainers so that we had more consistent revenue and we were able to hang on to clients longer because we were working with them in an ongoing capacity rather than a one-off project capacity. We raised our prices, of course, just, I mean, as you have to do anyway with inflation. But at that point, we also had that experience and confidence. And also, we kind of figured out how to monetize that brand voice process that you were mentioning in the intro which is something that we were just doing anyway for our clients. And then we realized, hey, this actually has value for them too. And we discovered that we could actually sell that as a service too. Amazing. And that's the idea that like the owner of the business might have a particular brand voice that they like to express and write blogs and things like that in. But to expand a business, you need to be able to delegate at least some of the copywriting. And to do that, you really need to tune in with the voice of that person. So it doesn't sound distorted or it's coming from a different direction. You nailed it. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Great. So how many team members do you have now? So right now, so we have five and then plus the two CEOs. So we're a team of seven right now. Not everyone is full-time. I'm full-time. And we have a writer slash strategist who's full-time and everybody else is part-time at this point. Okay, right. And do you have an OBM on your team or an ops manager? We have an amazing ops team and there it's a three-person team. All of them are part-timers. So the organization of that team right now is that we have two project coordinators who are mostly involved on the client side of things. So they are keeping everything organized for the strategists and writers. They're providing deliverables. They're keeping us on task in terms of we use ClickUp as our project management software, our deadlines, assignments, prioritization, things like that. And then we they are managed by a project manager. So who she mostly does internal things. So very similar to that, but just for the internal projects. 
Yeah. So you've got one for clients and then one for yourself as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So what sort of advice would you give an entrepreneur who wants to hire their first integrator or or project manager? So I think (laughs) a mistake that we made the first time we did it is we still wanted to hold on to everything. (laughs) So getting really honest with yourself about what you're willing to delegate and also what are you willing to have done in a way that you wouldn't have done it? Maybe it's still okay, right? The other thing, the other mistake that we made previously is not just trying to control things too much, but then also not asking them, hey, what opportunities do you see? Or what are your strengths? Or how can we leverage your skills better? Because that creates a relationship where they're the expert in their area. And it's just much better than than sort of expecting them to kind of be a a task bunny, you know, (laughs) because they're able to empower themselves to step up, to be able to offer advice, to be able to correct you if needed, to find better paths, more efficiencies, and just really play to their own strengths. Absolutely. And we're looking for like to be appreciated in that way too. We're looking that you can see that spark in us and and what we can achieve. So that's awesome that you yeah worked that out. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, we did. I I think. I mean, that's that's where I feel like we are right now. But these are things that no one really teaches you. I mean, I never got an MBA, but I think even if you do, I don't know if this is really taught. <laughs> so really, just that sense of empowerment and trusting that they're the expert, really, in any any hire you make. Yeah. For sure. And what advice would you give to an integrator looking to work side by side with a CEO? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, as someone who loves messaging and just approaching things, like you can set the stage for a conversation to go in a way that's going to work for you in almost unconscious ways, right? So if you're approaching the conversation with the confidence of an expert, if you are allowing them to see that you do have boundaries right from the beginning and what they are, so they kind of know what to expect. If you let them know the ways you work best, this is actually a lesson that I learned a little bit in my time as a grant writer. So if you are seeking donations for a nonprofit, it's almost always less effective to say, hey, we really need money, we desperately need this money, then look at the amazing things we're doing. Don't you want to be a part of it? That's the way that you can entice people to be a part of your mission, right? And I think it's the same way in business. So if you're saying, look at all the great things I can offer you and here's how you can work with me. If you're the one who's presenting all of that, then you present yourself as an equal to them, not as a subordinate to them. Yeah. And it's almost like you're giving them the opportunity to be the hero of this story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Love that. That's cool. And so what was the tipping point for you to hire your first project manager? The woman who is currently our project manager, she initially was working on more client-based stuff and then shifted more into internal. But really we were, because the team was expanding, we realized that It's too much for someone who's a strategist and a writer to also hold in their head all of the logistical details, the timelines, the 
um, making sure that the naming conventions are correct, making sure that timelines are kept and the dependencies are understood and things are passed along. And also to think on the higher picture about operational efficiencies. Mm -hmm. And also, even though for a while, Jesse, my business partner and I were stepping out of a lot of the client work and we were really focusing on sales and marketing and things like that. But even that, it was like too much to hold in my head, especially. Jesse's a little bit more operations minded than I am, but she loves a good framework and, and a good SOP. And I do too, but I, it's like third thought for me. But to have somebody where that was actually just what they did, we realized every time something is slipping through the cracks, we could easily prevent this with somebody whose job it is to make sure that that doesn't happen. So unfortunately, I think a lot of it was things slipping through the cracks and people feeling stressed. But we had a really great framework and you were really supportive in helping us get that framework in place mm. so that we, we sort of had marching orders for how to empower them to build something from nothing. Yeah. <laughs> not nothing, but from not a whole lot. Yeah. And so how did you find your team members? The method that has been most successful for us has been using the method that um, Mike Kalowitz talks about in Clockwork. So essentially, we put on a job listing. We don't really tell our network about it, actually. I don't know if that's actually part of what Mike teaches or not, but we put it out there just on hiring sites like Indeed. And we are very upfront with people about exactly what the position is and what the goals are. What are all the bad things about the yeah. position? <laughs> what are all the great things about the position? Who we think would be a good fit? And then instructions, very clear instructions on how to apply. I think this is a little controversial, but we do also include something in there where it's like, include this little detail so we know that you're a detail-oriented person. We're not trying to gotcha. We're just trying to make sure that the person that we hire has the qualities that are required to do the job successfully. And from there, then we, we always like to do interviews with our top candidates and then we move forward. At times, we have done a paid test. We don't believe in non-paid tests, but we do paid tests. So we've done that sometimes. We haven't done it other times. But I think that method of just being really honest upfront about maybe some of the not as awesome things, like, you know, we're a tiny company. We don't have a company breakthrough with small or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can't feed you lunch every day. We're not going to go over here. You know, we can't pay you six figures, you know, like we're honest about that stuff. And it's helped us find people who that's okay. the things that are maybe deal breakers for other people are okay for them because they're excited about the other stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So nitty gritty stuff. What has been the hardest part about growing your business? <laughs> oh my gosh. There's a cornucopia of options. <laughs> so. I think for me, it's been trying to strike the balance between growing the team, which of course increases your expenses, while also making sure that there are adequate clients to support that, while also dealing with inflation, which is complex on two sides of things. One is you want to continue paying as good of a wage as you possibly can to keep the talent that you have. So wanting to be able to give raises and competitive or at least industry standard 
salaries, Mm -hmm. while also acknowledging that a lot of the clients that we have have also been hit by inflation. And they're often telling us things like, I can't pay any more than I'm paying right now. There was a period there for probably, I don't know, 12 months where I just kept asking, is our business model broken? (laughs) Like, I just, I thought it seems to not matter how many clients we get because if we can't charge them more, if like they won't bear a higher charge, especially by the way, with like the advent of AI writing becoming so prevalent and talked about, right? That's, you know, how do we afford the team and all the other things, all the other services we're using also raised their price last year, you know? And so that was a real struggle. And so we ended up, this is going deeper than your initial question, Lori, but we ended up doing some intense audience research last year, which you were graciously a part of. (laughs) And we discovered the prevailing themes through, I think we interviewed like 20 people who were either worked with our ideal clients or our representative of, they're not really looking for copy so much. They're looking to escape the churn of content and they're looking for content strategy. And we were like, Hey, that's something we also do, but it hasn't taken front billing. Mm -hmm. And so we basically swapped our messaging to put that front and center. And that has been successful for us so far. This is still a bit new for us to put the content strategy ahead of the copywriting as opposed to the other way around. But I think this is going to only be successful for us. Love it. That's amazing. I love to hear, yeah, how you overcome that because it's true. Like the, the balance of the leads that come in and the sales and the recurring clients that you have putting up those prices, like that balance of, you know, swapping from sales to delivery and, and backwards and forwards. And yeah. And then to add an extra like nuance in there with inflation. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's a constant juggle, absolutely. And it's, yeah, trying, it's a balance and that balance will always, you know, like quiver at certain times and certain conditions. So, yeah, I feel for you there. So <laughs> what has been the highlight or the best part about growing your business? There's a lot. I mean, I, I love our team. Yeah. I love all the people I've had a privilege to work with. That includes team. That also includes our clients. Our clients are some of the most impressive, driven, kind people, smart, smart people, and very, yeah, just respectful and respectable. You know, like I respect them a lot. So I think just those those relationships with the people I've worked with in whatever capacity, to me, that's been huge. And I've definitely been feeling the malaise of things like, doing our own social media marketing and, you know, kind of being out there hitting the pavement. And the thing that's enabled us to continue operating and growing is, is really just those relationships. So referrals, prior clients coming back, just, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really been the thing. I mean, we're privileged that we've been in this business now for 12 and a half years. So we've built a lot of relationships, but yeah, that's, it's the highlight and also the thing that keeps us going. Oh, I love it. So what's next for you? What's your dreams and your visions and your goals? In terms of internal projects that we have going on that our operational support is hugely helping us with, first, we need to update the website to actually reflect that new messaging. So that's deep in process right now. 
my big project for the year is to set up our own affiliate program. So taking those relationships and actually turning it into something more structured. We have kind of a casual affiliate program right now, but something a bit more robust and proactive. So that's something that I'm working on this year. Something that Jesse is working on this year is all that copywriting we've done. It means that we've actually created really awesome systems. It sounds like creative work and it is. But if you can systematize certain aspects of it through, for example, templates, that can really help with the creative flow. So you don't feel like you're just staring at a blank page, but you're starting with a template for, say, a homepage or this type of social media post or this type of email. So we're actually starting to build up a template shop that we started a few years ago, but that's really a focus this year is to build it up more robustly so that we have an opportunity there too for an option for people who may not have the budget to work with us directly or who maybe they're writers themselves and they just want a template to help them out so that they can also be more productive. So that way we can just have something that is doing a nice job of, of selling without us necessarily having to do a whole lot of work on the back end after it's created. Yeah, for sure. And interesting subject you brought up earlier, AI. Like, Do you see that as a tool that you can use in your business and help create templates and things like that? Or, or is it more of a threat to you? We are still trying to figure that out. And we probably that will probably be the question of the next decade of our business, really. I think that I don't see it as a threat, but I do see it as something that's going to fundamentally change copywriting and the way people perceive it. Mm. And as far as for us, whether it's a tool or not, we haven't really started using it yet. We're not necessarily opposed to it because I really do think that our greatest strength is in strategy. Yeah. And so the writing is something that we are de-emphasizing right now. So that may be something that we explore. I don't know yet. The only thing that really concerns me about it is in terms of for our business. There are things that concern me about it as as a creator and as an artist. Morally. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and yeah, I think that's... Well, one of the things that Jesse and I talk about sometimes is... You know, when we were growing up and it was clear that we were both going to be little writers, we kept getting messages, whether it was from teachers or guidance counselors or whoever, random nosy adults <laughs> saying, great, what's your plan B? Because, you know, writers never make any money. Wow. And being taught that artists of any type, creatives of any type, writers are doomed to make pennies. There's this perception, right? That, that that's the way it is. And so what concerns me is, is this going to continue devaluing the skill sets to the point where one truly could not make money writing anymore because they think even if they're willing to pay someone for it, they think, well, a computer could still just do this. So I think it's really, really important that we continue to infuse strategy in our work and that we continue to work with people who understand what we're able to bring to the table that at least at this point, computers are not yet able to do. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I technology is amazing. I'm grateful to live in a time with a lot of technology and I have every faith that it's only going to get more sophisticated over time. So I think it's just, it's a moving target. We'll just have to see. Yeah. It sounds like you're on the right path though. And you also have that edge of like brand voice. A computer can't detect your brand voice. It might be able to detect Gary Vanderchuk's brand voice, but not 
<laughs> like the average small business owner's brand voice. So yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll have to keep an eye on it. Yeah. So how can people follow you in your journey? We're super keen, yeah, to see how it all works out for you. So if you're looking for the business, probably the best place to find us right now is just our website, northstarmessaging.com. We have some opt-ins there if you want to get on our list where we share regular tips for CEOs whose content really is important for their business success. If you want to follow me personally, I do not talk about business much, like I was saying on my social, but I do talk about my dogs in Mexico and writing novels. Yeah. I would, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at the Marie Parks. Yeah. I would love to read your novel. I think that would be awesome. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much to everyone listening. If you are a CEO and would love help with your own operations and leadership and strategic management and, and things like that, please reach out. I have a great network and connection of other OBMs and integrators. So yeah, keep in touch and have a productive day. Thank you for listening. <laughs>